Welcome, everybody. <laughs> this is Deconstructing the Psyche. I am your host, Michael Robot Breach. Uh, that's your host, Michael Robot Breach, and this is Avon. <laughs> Tuning in again for another week of amazing podcasts and uh, amazing movies that we're going to talk about. We're, we're still on the air somehow. They've... <laughs> they, have, they haven't shut off the electricity yet. We have not been banned off the air yet. Let's hope not. I wonder what we would have to do for them to ban us. I think Howard Stern set the bar pretty high, so... <laughs> We'd have to do I some mean, crazy shit. <laughs> naked women on his podcast, on his radio show. That's one movie we should talk about, because I've never heard uh-huh. any of his podcasts. Maybe clips here and there Yeah. of when a serial killer called in one time, but... um. <laughs> I've only watched the movie on the USA <laughs> Network um, when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. And he seemed like a real pervert. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not what? a big fan. Yeah. Oh, Howard what? Stern. Howard Stern was a Do America or was that Beavis and Butthead Do America? That was That's, Beavis and Butthead. That was a different one. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a way to segue from that into our <clears throat> conversation today, but. Well, speaking this about week, America. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. The mm-hmm. The final shot of this movie, The Shining, which we watched this week, we watched on 4th of July. On the 4th of July, yeah, we did. Without knowledge of this, I think we, I probably had seen this, but I didn't remember. The final shot when Jack Torrance is in the picture of the ballroom dance is on 4th of July. Whoa! <laughs> Mind you, I've never seen that the movie before so it was a real trip for it to be on the fourth of july sort of synchronized in that way yeah i don't know i think there was it wasn't just a coincidence right it it was meant to happen it seems so it seems like it was meant to happen yeah so we we actually watched this movie together right this is the first time we've done i don't think i've ever watched any movie with you i mean we saw the whale together at the oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. okay We've watched a couple of movies in the theaters. Watching movies at the house is a little different because you're not in some dark theater and it's a little bit more personal maybe because you can pause the movie and talk about it, which we kind of did a little bit. I had to make sure that you didn't have your phone. You weren't (laughs) looking at Instagram too much, but... The phone is very distracting. Yeah, but so that was interesting. We got to kind of dissect the movie a little bit more than usual together. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen this movie many times. I think I have, I've, I've come up with more interpretations of it through this last watch, but mm-hmm. this is kind of, this is a relatively new movie for you as well. Like some of the other ones we've watched, correct? Yeah. This one is a different movie for me. You haven't seen it before? I've never seen it before. Okay. Like I said earlier, just snippets here and there. Of yeah. Jack Nicholson's famous scene of yeah. him breaking down the door with an axe. The parodies from the Simpsons. Simpsons parody. <laughs> so what was your initial impression of this movie? Oh, man. Like, we were talking about the movie. It's easier for me to say it now, mm. but it's not as fresh as it was on the 4th of July. Yeah. It's sort of the... The aspect of it being closer to domestic violence for me mm. and the different symbolisms that stood out yeah. for me. Yeah. I so was thinking were, about this. You were talking about the relationship between Jack and his wife, Wendy, right? Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. I was thinking about it on Saturday, actually, driving from work. I usually get my best ideas driving. Okay. So going over the film, going over the scenes again. Just the aspect of it being domestic, for me at least, given my training, I'm looking at it through the lens of a clinician mm-hmm. and seeing it in the re- in the realm of domestic violence. Yeah, it's really how I took the film on yeah. and in, in interpreting it that way. But um, the crazier idea for me, I mean, I feel safer to say it now. The crazier idea for me, the ghosts actually seem to me, and I've expressed this to you as sort of symbols mm. of okay. Of maybe what you know Wendy's experiencing hmm. or even Jack Nicholson's experiencing. Okay. You know, Jack yeah. in the film, which is interesting. 
Yeah. You know, we can interpret, and I want to hear your take on it so we can expand on this idea, mm-hmm. but what do the ghosts mean, really? Mm-hmm. Because for, for me, in one scene, when he's going to the bar and getting a drink, when he first sees the apparition, right? What I think would be an apparition, but I think it's part of his unconscious, mm-hmm. is he's seeing the bartender and actually having a conversation with the bartender. Yeah. And that, um, there wasn't any alcohol, right? Well, there wasn't physically alcohol. Right. That's what they said at the beginning is that they removed all alcohol from the premises. But somehow there's a bar, <clears throat> a full bar, which Wendy doesn't see. Right. Right. So when she comes into the room, it's all gone and there's no bartender there. There's no lights. Jack is envisioning that, it seems. But he it's real to him. I mean, I don't think honestly, I would think there is alcohol there. Although yeah. there is sort of there's in waking life in reality there's not supposed to be. Yeah. I would think he got access to that alcohol because okay. he is actually an alcoholic struggling with alcoholism. Maybe. Yeah. Well let's I mean, let's say there wasn't any though. Right. So let's say there it he never even drinks alcohol. And we go into cabin fever. Yeah, so but what is it what's going on in that scene then in terms of him imagining that he's drinking alcohol and talking to somebody? Because what is the conversation focusing on when he's talking to that bartender? If I remember correctly, he's talking about his family being sort of a burden yeah. on him, the dead yeah. weight. Yeah. Um the ball and chain, yeah. his wife and then the yeah. child. Yeah. The uh, what is what does he refer to her as? The um, oh, the sperm bank. Sperm bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I remember hearing that term before when I watched it. I, but yeah, so really derogatory. That was just a, such an odd term to call someone yeah. a sperm bank. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but the, so the he's he's not really drinking, but he's he's envisioning that he's drinking alcohol and he's getting drunk. Yeah. And then he's having a conversation about why his family is such a hassle for him and why they're kind of at fault for a lot of his life. So it kind of makes sense, actually, that that spirit is not real in a sense and the alcohol is not real, but it's it's making him... It's serving the same purpose as the conversation he's having. You know, the idea of him drinking is serving the same purpose as him talking about why his family is a burden. It's a way for him to get the pressure of life off of his back, for him to relieve himself of any responsibilities. See, I think he was imagining that. I really don't think there was actually a spirit there that he was talking to. Maybe. really him imagining having a drink and escaping his reality. But he, he, it seems like that's what he's trying to do in, a lot in this movie is he's trying to escape from what is needed from him in his life or what is being asked of him in his he, life. He, well, even the job he's taking on, the yeah. job he's taking on to become a caretaker for the hotel yeah. is a form of escaping. Which his, he's never, he, he he's not actually caretaking anything at all we never see him do the job wendy's actually doing the job he doesn't do any job no he's doing his writing he's escaping trying to do his writing but he's escaping again and like what you just said his writing is a form of escaping as well that's interesting why do you say that why is his writing a form of escape the way i think about it in my mind it's sort of it becomes one of those um, Russian dolls, mm. right? You put a layer on top of a layer, mm. but we're seeing that one layer he puts up front is, I'm going to take this job on. Yeah. Then the second layer of that is, I'm taking this job on because I want to become a writer. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's another layer. And yeah. then even there, this, the, the third layer to that is, oh, I'm going to drink alcohol, but there's no alcohol, so then yeah. I'm going to escape into my mind. Yeah, yeah. And then the other layer after that is... Uh, maniacal behavior where he becomes sort of a psycho- psychotic person. Mm. So there's a lot of themes of escapism and it is sort of like that Russian doll where there's one layer upon layers till we get to the center of him. But really the center of him is really an anger that he has, yeah. which is not expressed, is yeah. actually repressed, right? And we see that throughout the film in his communication with the, the boss in the interview, right? Mm. In the first communication we see him and observe him mm-hmm. he has he has his look 
and sort of the smile, a forced smile, you know, gritting his teeth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not gritting, but gritting. Like he's trying to bear through everything. He's exactly. He's going along with emotions. Perfect word. Bearing through everything. Bearing mm-hmm. through life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to actually do any of this. No, he doesn't want to take that job on. Yeah. He doesn't want to do anything, but he feels like this is the only place he can escape, can get away yeah. from things. And yeah. It, maybe it was a change for him. But even in the in another scene, when he's driving up the mountain <clears throat> with his wife and kid, you see the same look. Yeah. The same bearing of teeth. The same yeah. grinding. Yeah. With his his kid kind of leaning over the front seat in the middle, and you just get the sense that he just wants to turn around and push his kid it feels like that back way. to the back of the car. Yeah. That's it. But it's it's such great acting it and is. direction because he doesn't do it, but you get that sense the entire time that that's how he what he wants to do to his child, you know? That's the same thing that underlying, you know, anger, the rage that you were talking about. Suppressed rage and you f- yeah. see, feel it in that car scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the writing though, you know, you're mentioning this idea that maybe the writing isn't even a thing for him. It's not real in some sense, right? Like he he doesn't it's a it's almost an act or a facade. What did he say in the writing when he was writing actually? Oh, the the, the pages that were typed out you over wanna... just all play and no all work and no play make jack a dull boy yeah but that to me those sentences are purely not they're not coherent they're more of the unconscious taking over mm. or sort of the the darkness taking over than yeah. than the conscious than conscious because consciously yeah. we can form full sentences or at least a coherent idea mm. but he's typing away as if he's taken over by the unconscious like that's what he that's the truth about him is that he he doesn't want to try to work or that the work is a burden for him and that he needs to do he needs to play more or he needs to relax more all work and no play make jack a dull boy right yeah yeah that's exactly what that means though he's just working away responsibilities but he's not working though that's the interesting thing is that he's in this place and he's Mm -hmm. supposed to be working but he's not the thing the thing is sometimes with this is important sometimes when a person goes through difficult times in their lives Mm. we can look at one point in their lives and say hey like for the months he's been there he's He's not working. He's relaxing. Yeah. But we're not taking into account the person's whole history. But he's not relaxing either, though. That's the that's, that's a really I'm, interesting part well, about this. Well, that's the point I'm trying to say. Okay. It's like we're not taking into account the history before the film. Mm. Right. Or the history that this person has experienced, which mm-hmm. is it was all work. Mm. He was a teacher prior to, to going to the hotel. But right? it seemed like he didn't want to be that teacher either. But that's really what we're talking about. It wasn't just that that time in that film which is all work and no play oh yeah because at that point he had already broken yeah this was a long long lead up to this 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 was a long time coming yeah maybe years of hey i gotta take care of the woman i gotta take care of yeah the boy yeah it's all work and no play it makes me dull yeah you know makes me hate my life become a dull boy it's boring i'm bored for sure so I, I think in a sense he has his anger and he's really expressing this is how I truly feel. Mm. But we're also noticing because he's an alcoholic, at least from what we know in the film, he doesn't have the way to communicate how he actually feels. He mm. can't verbalize, mm. hey, I'm unhappy, I need a vacation. Or Yeah. You know, he's un- he's unhappy with his life for sure. Yeah, he's not happy, he needs a vacation or he needs he a hates break. His, he hates his wife. Well, yeah, he does. For sure. She's kind of goofy looking too in the film. But regardless, like (laughs) he, those are, but the things that we're talking about, you know, him hating his wife, him not liking what he does. These are all choices that he's making in his life there. He's, he's deciding to do these things and to stick with these things. And you, the, the idea that keeps coming up in my head or the word is forced. Like, he's forcing himself to do these things. You know, the wife in the beginning of the film is interesting. Mm-hmm. She's smoking a cigarette, right? Yeah. Talking, I think, to the social worker, right? 
I think it's a like a child psychologist or a doctor. Right. So she's talking to this person. Yeah. Right? She seems interesting to me, mm. the way she's dressed. Yeah. She's not dressed like maybe a typical mother during that time. Yeah. Her clothing is more animated. Mm. Red socks, uh, different kind of a blouse. Yeah. But to me, she seems fun. Mm. She seems she fun. She could be. Well, she could be. Yeah. She seems pretty cool the way she's dressed. Like she's very artistic yeah. or very creative. And she's, then Jack, Jack. She's actually accepting of jack and his lifestyle too and she's kind of supportive of him too i think jack was similar because mm. like sometimes like attracts like mm. jack may have been similar to her before yeah but they had the kid mm. right i think at Maybe. one point he took on that role of being father and now husband mm. that i think really doled him out perhaps yeah so he kind of you think that that was the changing point in his life then was to have a kid yeah Hmm. having the kid um one of the ways that one can deduce also is he takes shit out on the kid yeah he was uh i think he was accused of harming his child right yeah he was i think he got in trouble and that's why he got sober and he was supposed to have been sober for about five months when they got to the hotel right so let's go with that right there was an accusation of him abusing his child right yeah the mom denied it saying he hasn't done it again he's not going to do it again mm. the classic sort of behavior that a woman would exhibit when she's engaged in a domestic violence relationship yeah protecting. and you see the the doctor or the psychologist like look at her so intensely when she's saying this like oh wow this is really bad that you're saying that that way and kind of rationalizing everything rationalizing his behavior yeah he's He's no longer violent. He yeah. stopped drinking. Yeah, he yeah. will not harm our son. Yeah, she knows this. She, the doctor, knows this story very well, right? Right. And we in our field have heard that story yeah. many of times. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one of the later scenes, because we're shown in the film that the boy has some sort of sixth sense, right? Yeah. He's able to see things that are not there or perceive yeah. things that are not there. Yeah. Right. He 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 the boy has some kind of magical thinking. Mm-hmm. And we do see this in some patients that children typically and some adults still have this sort of magical thinking. If I do that, then this would happen. If I don't do this, this would happen. Sort of superstitious thinking, right? I mean, I think that's part of it. it there d- definitely seems like there's some legit ESP stuff going on in this movie, though. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how much that you can the, base off of reality, but in the, the in the scheme of the movie, they actually are participating in ESP. Well... We'll get we'll get into that because it's sort of astral projection. I think is what you're talking about. We don't see or reading people's minds. We don't see telekinesis, but we can. There is a scene when the the cook is talking and Danny hears what the cook's saying in his head about wanting ice cream. Telekinesis or is it telepath telepathy? Tele- yeah, telepathy. Telepathy just, is yeah. different. Telepathy, ESP, extrasensory perception, is kind of like a overall classification of it. Okay, so telekinesis is levitating things. Okay. We didn't see that. Yeah. So for me, I wouldn't say, oh, they there was sort of that supernatural thing where they're levitating no. Telepath- Telepathy, right? Telepath- telepathy is... Yeah. Telepathy would be... I'm reading your mind, yeah. right? But I think one can have that not telepathy but an understanding of behavior when mm. you've been through difficulties in okay. your life so if if a person has been through some sort of trauma there's an ex- especially living in the home environment with an alcoholic father like he was mm. i believe at least he would un- interpret the signs or see the signs as okay this guy is potentially not safe for me right like an intuition then maybe I mean, what's well, an intuitive thought that's p- telepathy okay right we, and we haven't at least I don't think we have proven that one can read another person's mind, yeah. but we can read body language and social cues yeah. cues to understand, hey, what is this person going to say yeah. next? Yeah. Okay. Or um, if they do this, this is going to happen yeah. with sort of causal relationships, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, at least for the boy, what I was getting at was he asked his father, hey, dad, are you going to harm us? Mm. Are you going to hurt me or mom? Yeah, he's trying to find out. He's trying to find out, but I think at least the kid, 
had already seen seen this coming and I talked to you about this before it's sort of I know this behavior this is how my dad gets yeah. before he starts to harm us yeah. he gets kind of stir crazy he starts to isolate himself he starts to become angry but his anger is not expressed as an, an F you sort of thing yeah. not in the beginning yeah. it becomes isolation it becomes sort of um, an anger quiet anger with the mother yeah right passive aggressive behavior yeah. Yeah. and then and then it becomes sort of an explosion. Sure. And that's what he's, I think, witnessed before with his father. Yeah. And I, again, he's afraid he, it would happen again. That's yeah. what he's anticipating. Okay. So that makes sense then. That Some, the ESP is, uh, it's almost like a protective measure okay. against future dangers. If I were to diagnose a kid, I probably would diagnose him with PTSD. Yeah. One of my questions for you, and I think we already know this, but... In the DSM, is there a classification for a person with PTSD with maybe delusion, not delusions, mm. or hallucinations, right? Seeing probably. things that are not really there. Yeah. Because that's what he's perceiving. Yeah, probably. He sees the two girls, right? Mm. Two twins in the home, mm. in the hotel, actually, yeah. with blood all over them, yeah. dead, yeah. right? Okay. This kid is seeing things that are not really there, right? Right. Okay. I don't think it would be a stretch to say that this kid has some post-traumatic stress. Okay. Because of the experience he's had with his father and that he's also having some hallucinations as well associated with the trauma that he yeah. experienced. So you're saying that maybe all the spirits in the house are some form of hallucination that people are having in response to stressful events in their life. I think not all the spirits, but I okay. think he is especially sensitive. Okay. To violent experiences yeah, yeah. related to his father. Mm. And the spirits are not bad. In, in my mind, they're not bad spirits if we really believe there were spirits, but they were actually warnings for the child mm. and warnings for the mother yeah. and how to escape the home. Premonitions. Well, warnings because they actually see them. Yeah. The boy sees premonitions, that could be a possibility. But when the mom was escaping from the dad, she was seeing the ghosts. Yeah. But I think they were guiding them, or the spirits, they were guiding her outside of the home. Mm, rather trying to than, get her out. Rather than keeping yeah, her inside. That's interesting. Yeah, they were, so they don't appear until the end. And they're, you're maybe saying that they're trying to freak her out to get her to leave the house finally. Yeah. Hmm. That makes sense. And maybe in what you were talking that would apply then even with the scene when Danny goes into room 237 mm -hmm. and he gets abused yeah, or something happens to him. And we, we, uh, we were like, okay, who, who did this? Was it that woman that like evil moldy woman that Jack makes out with, or is it Jack? Mm -hmm. And maybe it is the spirit or that woman that did it, but they're doing it for, good purposes in that they're trying to help Danny and they're trying to get the, the wife to turn against Jack because right. that is when she turns against Jack is when she thinks that, or she starts to is when she thinks that he had hurt Danny again. So maybe the spirits were trying to help the family in a way. I wonder, but, it, but, the, but the other thing is then the spirits get, jack out of the the freezer or out of the pantry that's locked so maybe the spirits in the house are actually competing against each other who knows you see i don't even think there were really spirits in the home right okay but i do still work on the assumption that this is all jack mm. creating this himself right okay. when he goes when the son danny goes into room three two three seven right and he comes out with this big scratch on his shoulder yeah. right and, his, and torn uh, sweater yeah i would think that's more of something that jack would be doing yeah right because he has a history of domestic violence yeah okay she then accuses him and i don't think she was incorrect in assuming him because they're, they're the only two people there mm. right mm -hmm. um she's correct in assuming that but then your question is okay how does he get out of how does he get out of the cellar Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely the most perplexing part of the of the film, and the thing that makes you it's hard to answer that question. But we of never if see. there are spirits or not. But we never see a spirit lifting up. We don't. 
That's true. Lifting up the latch and letting him out. That's true. It could have easily been her as well because she felt sorry for him and she, in a way, Maybe. does not want to harm him. She already dropped him down the stairs when that happened. It could have been that. Yeah. More likely for me, it would be her letting him out mm. because I'm still working on the assumption that the spirits that they're actually perceiving aren't really spirits. It's more in their mind. It's a psycho- They're psychological forces psychological forces there's this theory called groupthink okay right or a group psych mass psychosis or yeah. group psychosis yeah. that actually does occur but it's rare mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be a stretch to say but part of this film was that where we're experiencing in what a, sense a person's psychotic behavior jack's psychotic behavior and the belief that you know there are spirits here mm. but in a way jack was acting possessed but he wasn't possessed by anything outside. I think he's possessed by all the things inside. Inside his mind? Inside his mind. Yeah. Right? Definitely. The other strange thought would be, a crazier thought would be, we know that the hotel has history, but the only ones who know about the history are the adults. Right? That's adults, true. Adults know about, okay, what kind of history is here? Who lived here? Who died here? I'm not sure if we're told that someone died here, but I think Danny was told something happened, right? Mm-hmm. Who was told that something happened in that hotel? Who, who knew about the, the old caretaker? Yeah. Who knew well, about the, the caretaker's the guy who's daughters? Interviewing Jack, tells Jack about it. So we're not being told this, but a husband and wife do communicate with each other. Yeah. Husband and wives do have conversations of, hey, I got a new job. Mm-hmm. Where's this job? Wife would ask mm-hmm. here over here. Mm-hmm. Um. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that she shared with him yeah. the history, or he shared with her the history of the hotel. Why wouldn't she want to know? I think she would. She wouldn't go yeah, there blindly. That makes sense. And it wouldn't also be a stretch for the child to to overhear the parents, mm. right? And, oh, what happened there? Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think a kid would ask, hey, did somebody die there? But I think a kid would be able to hear, did somebody die there? Yeah. Um, let's talk about boundaries. Okay. So when there are bound, a loss of boundaries and, and parents who are alcoholics, right? There is a loss of boundaries there with families with an alcoholic parent. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think that they wouldn't speak about the history of the hotel um, in front of Danny. I think they would actually talk about it in front of him. Yeah. Well, he was also on the drive up, whereas in he asking about the Donner party and Jack basically tells him what what they were and he's like like cannibals and it seems like they have a pretty open conversation about cannibalism there you go right so there is sort of that loss yeah and the kid is a kid he's a boy mm. he's like seven years old maybe he talks to him about cannibalism about eating people mm. he's been overexposed to why wouldn't he have been exposed to violence he was or yeah. at least violent forms of communication sure right violent imagery in the way we talk, we also communicate imagery. Yeah. Cannibalism is a form of violence. Yeah. He's also watching uh, one of the shows he's watching during the at one point when he's watching TV is the Roadrunner. Right. And those were actually pretty violent cartoons. It's almost all centered around violence in terms of the coyote getting smashed and hurt uh-huh. every time. Right. Mm-hmm wonder what that's maybe that's like a more subtle way of talking about the violence that who uh, danny's being exposed to is it elmer fudd the one who oh yeah it's him that right shoot this the roadrunner no, okay. no 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 wiley it was coyote and roadrunner wiley coyote yeah okay so wild coyote is chasing the roadrunner yeah but isn't that what jack is doing with his family oh yeah right for sure. The idea of the roadrunner is to hide or set traps or escape. But that's, that's what, what Danny we have. does at the end in the maze. Exactly. That's what we have with the maze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't know. The, I think this is an interesting idea, what we're talking about in terms of the, the family and their interactions and even the way that the spirits interact with the individuals in the, in the house. Right. Um, you know, something that keeps kept coming up in my mind as I was thinking about this movie recently 
was uh, something that I had mentioned earlier was the kind of forced nature of Jack's life. And that he seemed like he was trying to make himself do things, make himself be somebody that maybe he wasn't. He wasn't being authentic. Well, it's like this. Yeah. It's like this guy says, I'm going to write this book. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself write this book. And it's kind of like this stereotyped idea about you're going to go to this like quiet place and you're going to finally write that novel that you've always wanted to write. And it's like, hmm. it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work where you just kind of, you're going to make yourself sit down and do this. Any type of book that you write is probably going to be something that's happened over a very long period of time and a very long process. And it seems like he has no grasp or is not in touch with that at all. And maybe he doesn't have any experience writing really. And he's kind of telling himself that he's going to do this thing, that he's going to, he's finally going to write that novel that he's wanted to. And it, it just, that whole thing kind of strikes me as like you're saying, it's very inauthentic. It's like, he doesn't know who he is. In some way. What is the purpose of writing? A personal expression. Of what? Of probably who you are or what you believe about life. What What is important to you. Well, no wonder he couldn't really. He doesn't have anything that's important to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, there's I, nothing that, there's nothing, he doesn't have any importance in his life. I, I think. He has no meaning in his life. I think it's also, it could also be that. If he were to write the book, mm-hmm. he would actually be forced to look at himself. When, yeah. when we're writing, even the characters that we write about are pieces of us. Yeah. They're parts of ourselves, maybe unconsciously, yeah. maybe within ourselves that we are expressing. Yeah. In our writings, we could be a man, we could be a woman. Yeah. We can freely become these characters because we think about them. We, we uh, imagine them and they become something. Mm. For him to actually start to write would be for him to actually open up yeah. parts of himself that he's yeah. very uncomfortable with. Yeah. It would make sense that he would want to, you know, say, and, and, and consciously he wants to say, I want to write. I want to express myself. That's what he's communicating. I want to talk. Yeah. He doesn't know how, but he knows there's something wrong with there's his communication. There's nothing to say, though. No, I think there's a lot to say, but it's all inside, and yeah. he doesn't know how to say it. But yeah, but, and he, but he he also doesn't know himself. So how is he going to say that stuff if he doesn't know himself? Exactly. All, all he is aware of is that there's something wrong. Yeah. All he's aware of. That's that. what comes out on that page then too. Is all all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. That that so is he, a great. He doesn't even. He thinks this is a burden well, to write. No, it's th- work. It could be that. It's not enjoyable. No, but it could also be that's the reality. Yeah, sure. The first sentence could be all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Yeah. But I don't think Jack has the ability then to explore what that actually means. Yeah. Because the next part of that sentence would be why. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah, sure. the understanding or the insight to ask himself, why do yeah, you feel why, that? Why is that the way it is? Why? Why do you look at things this way all yeah. work and no play make jack a dull boy what are you trying to say jack yeah i'm angry right now yeah my wife bothers me when she walks into the room yeah i'm so pissed at her because she is doesn't do x y and z yeah. Yeah. and i have a son i have to feed the family yeah i lost my job because of my addiction to alcohol yeah he can very much write something about these experiences, about being a married man, about being an alcoholic, mm. where that comes from. Mm. But all he is is on the surface level. Yeah. And that's, what I think, what Jack struggles with is being surface-based. Yeah. To go into this hotel and then be... We've talked about this when we were watching the film. For him to go into the hotel is for him to be in a big therapy session. Yeah. For him to experience unconscious behaviors... It looking at himself, yeah, it could have been a, a something to open him up and to 
kind of get him to explore who he is a little bit. It was trying to change him. Yeah. It was really trying to for him to open up. Because he had like a radical freedom there in the sense that he didn't have to do anything. No. Really. And everything was taken care of for him. Food and was there. Was, yeah, food. He didn't really have to. They said, you don't have to do much work. It's just making sure the elements don't get in. His wife was pretty much taking care of everything for him anyways. He had all the freedom and time in the world. And he immediately rejected it why i think it's probably scary i think that kind of freedom is actually scary to a lot of people and it's <laughs> something that they don't want yeah all he's he knows being put in a place where he's completely left to his own devices all he knows is all work and play all work and no plays all he knows that's but, been his whole life yeah and maybe it's a work that where he's being told what to do all the time and it's it's never his choice and so when he actually comes to a point when it's like up to him it's like okay now what do i do well then what does that say about him his ability to imagine Oh, I don't think he has any imagination. That's why he can't write the book. And he, but that, yeah, and if you haven't been left to yourself a little bit to, you know, kind of create your life in some way, then yeah, yeah. you're going to be completely void of imagination then. It's actually void of, yeah, what you're saying, void of imagination, but anxiety provoking, right? Yeah, but sure. Left, left his own devices, no alcohol to escape to make things fun yeah, because yeah. alcohol sometimes use as a way to disinhibit oneself and freedom and enjoyment in one's body he seems to be so surface-based and so rigid that he can't even express anger yeah he can express some some violence through hey 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 son yeah cannibalism is not a good thing or cannibalism mm. people hate each other mm. he can express some form of violence right but his conversations are all surface-based yeah right yeah yeah, and so this idea though about him, him, he, like he's trying to force himself to do these things. Like he's not equipped to do any of this, and he's trying to put himself in this position that he doesn't. It, it's unnatural, I would say, what in terms it? of what he's trying to do. He's not. He's not trying to write in a natural way. It's a forced position he's putting himself into. Yeah, but this. That idea of what he's doing to himself, I think, is uh, replicated in a way in the whole rest of the movie. And so the thing that I keep thinking about in terms of the setting and everything that's going on in the hotel and in this film is unnaturalness. Hmm. Man, all of it, a lot of stuff is man-made and it's very modern, and there's no natural aspects. You don't see any animals in this movie. We don't see any real... Besides those shots when they're driving between you know, the city and the hotel, that's the only time where we see kind of like wilderness or out, outdoorsness. But then they get to this hotel, mm -hmm. and it's like, why is this hotel even here? is on the top of a mountain mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And they even talk about how hard it is to get there during the winter because of that stretch of, of, of road and how hard it is to maintain. There's absolutely no reason that that hotel should be there. It's completely unnatural. It's a complete man-made thing. And then they get into the hotel, and it's like, well, how do you feed yourself here? We have a year's worth of frozen animals that are stacked and chopped up in this freezer. You don't have to like even imagine that they're real animals. It's all frozen and prepared for you like that. And everything else is canned. Right. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing organic there at all. That's how you're going to live. You could live here for a year and you'll be fine. You could have a different meal every day. Mm -hmm. This is all unnaturalness going on in the in the food in the setting they have this huge hotel that's protecting them from the all the elements and they have all these apartments and rooms in there and it's they're they're never exposed they never have to go outside if they don't want to if they do go outside there's a maze out there that's looks like it's natural but it's actually man-made itself 
Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> there's no need to be exposed to, to well, I mean, anything that, that resembles the natural world. Right. Man-made fire inside, keeping you warm at all times. Well, I don't think skinned that... animals that you could lay on right. and enjoy at your leisure. To me, from what you're saying, it sounds like the man-made or the artificialness of of the plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it mirrors his unnaturalness, oh, his okay. lack of well, anything okay. organic in himself, anything that is is what well, doesn't is well, yeah, it just like comes out of you in a in a well, spontaneous way. It's everything is everything there is created and forced and and put in places that it really shouldn't be that's even the even the hotel itself what do they say it was put on top of an indian burial ground Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be there it's it's something that should not be and it's forced into being by us by humans you're talking about the colonial i mean you could say that is part of it too okay what do you so okay? You're mentioning the colonialism, right? Uh-huh. What do you? Why were you thinking about that right there? I mean, from what you're saying, you could take that in many different ways. But from what I was saying, thinking about is the place being artificial doesn't inspire creativity. Right? I don't think so. But what I do think is that there's no necessity for that place. It okay. doesn't. It, it's not. It's not built out of a need. It's built out of a, a man-made desire right. of like what we want as human beings as opposed to something that serves a necessary function for me in my life. Yeah, but... But that's, that's what you could argue about writing and creative, creative processes too is that they need to come out of a central part of yourself and it has to be there there has to be a need for it it's not like oh i just want to be a writer i'm just going to choose to be a writer that's not how it works you have to have a reason to be a writer you were mentioning this you were alluding to this earlier there needs to be something that's coming out of you to make you want to be a writer he just wants to be a writer he's no. like i'm just going to i'm just going to will this into existence it's not just that he wanted to be a writer yeah, but like, why? It's not. It doesn't seem like it's. It is essential for him. I think he knew unconsciously or consciously sure. that there he needed to write to be able to express something. That but he, he needed to get to that point. He couldn't. We've already established yeah. that he couldn't get to that point. But so because he couldn't, he's trying to force it to happen. Right. So earlier I was saying there is an art, like you were saying as well, there's an artificial um, sense. There's an artificial environment that's being created when we're in the hotel, right? Yeah. But for any person with the ability to to become creative, you can change the scene. You can. When I work with patients who have depression or an anxiety, right? Typically we're in in a space where we think, hey, I'm sitting down, I'm depressed. Yeah. But maybe I can move. Maybe I can move scenes, meaning I don't have to sit on my chair in front mm. of my desk, mm. moping and feeling sad. Yeah. I can very much go outside, yeah. force a smile, read something funny. Now that we have our phones, watch something funny on a YouTube video or a comedy skit. I can change the way I feel based on what I'm perceiving or interpreting. I think that's you're talking about artificiality, though, right there. No, we're talking about taking control of the emotion that you're feeling. Because that we're seems like you're forcing yourself to do that. We're identifying... Well, let me finish my thought. Okay. What we're doing is identifying that, hey, there's something going on here okay. that I'm creating in my environment. Yeah. We're constructing a reality. Okay. Constructing reality is not artificial. It's actually taking control of how we feel, right? Well, you just said the word control. Yeah. You're controlling your feelings. It's interesting because sometimes people have sort of a negative connotation when we use the word control. Yeah. But having control over one's life is not a bad thing. We don't always want to be controlled by our own emotions because sometimes when we're controlled by our own emotions, 
we can experience things like Jack experience where yeah. I'm continuously not able to control or express how I feel. My anger is what controls and suppresses me, right? My emotions lead me. Yeah. But it's also okay to say, you know what? Let me take control of the situation. If I'm depressed or I'm angry and I know I am, what can I do? That's sort of asserting yourself in your life and in reality. And that's a phenomenology of what we're talking about. Going back to the scene of, hey, I'm in front of, well, let's depict the scene. I'm in front of a fireplace. Yeah. Man-made fireplace. Yeah. There's a beautiful place outside of this hotel. Yeah. When we're seeing his son watching the TV. Yeah. Wife is laying down watching TV with the son. There's a whole. That's a great contrast. There's a whole uh, what is it a forest filled with, with snow, snow. and that's trees exactly what i'm Beautiful. talking about though the, but, this contrast between this artificiality in terms of let's watch this this tv that's in front of us and then the natural world behind you that's kind of forgotten but that that behavior is already established inside the family dynamic. oh yeah i know that is so we see jack establishing it when he's not with his wife yeah. his wife and his kid are watching tv inside there's no real expression of, let's go outside and enjoy the wilderness. Well, they're so, not connected to it in any way. They're not connected to it because they're from the city, right? It could be that. Um, it could be a lot of other things. Yeah, Jack's an alcoholic. He's more isolated. That's, wife, a, that's a way to disconnect. Yeah, but it's, it's also creating... When we're in an environment with our family, we create these dynamics. Every family, if you notice, have a way of communicating have a way of behaving yeah we and families create our own rituals our own behaviors our own way of talking and understanding yeah husband and wives yeah have a way of communicating with each other just by looking at each other you know what the other person is thinking yeah um can be in terms of jack we go back into the scene where he's just typing away in front of a fireplace that's not lit that does not inspire at least for me um such a beautiful place and it doesn't inspire at least for me any sort of creativity yeah it only inspires anger a barrenness because the hotel is barren right empty it is and right? it's full of dead spirits well it's full of dead spirits it's full of death but not, I, even the dead if we talk about death it, the, the hotel was built on top of an ancient burial ground yeah why wouldn't the dead be angry if we believe in the spirit aspect sure. of it, if we accept this now into what our conversation, the spirits are angry, but maybe Jack is also very angry as well. And in doing so, he's actually expressing the, the anger that's experienced in the hotel because that can happen as well. Yeah. One can express the anger that's experienced in the room. Mm. Have you ever been in a room with a person who's anxious? Yeah. Do you not pick up their anxiety at times? For sure. If you're not psychologically aware, you can pick up their anxiety. Yeah. You look at the person, you start to stutter just like they do because they have a look in their eye. But if you're psychologically aware and you're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Are you anxious right now? Mm. You call it out. Yeah, I'm anxious right now. Yeah. The other person would say. Yeah. What's well, not your anxiety that you're owning? Right. Mm. It's their anxiety that they should be owning. Yeah. Right. So Jack, in a sense, he's owning the presence in the room. Okay. He's owning the the anger, the all the suppression. Yeah. But for a person who's already repressed, already suppressed, this is what he's going to express: anger at his family. He takes yeah. it out on his wife and his kid. Yeah. I think his kid is extra sensitive to these energies. His wife, not so much. She seems like she's really unaware. Mm. But Jack is. Uh, sensitive to this but doesn't express his express it unless it's expressed in violence yeah i mean he doesn't know how to deal with emotions he doesn't know how to deal with anger or the rage that he has i mean it's turned into rage because he doesn't know how to understand anger or deal with it in a healthy way or in a constructive way no yeah and so he's he's very disconnected from himself Let's go back to the colonialism that okay. you're talking about. Yeah. You mentioned the other day that we're, we're taken into the fridge when we're watching the film, taken into the fridge, and we see different labels yeah. of different companies, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you expand on that idea? Um, the one with the Native American on it? Yeah. Well, I think it's like one of the coffee 
coffee uh, labels, right? One of those typical stereotypical types. Um, I think. I mean, it seems like there is some motifs in this movie about colonialism, imperialism, and kind of the white man taking over and dominating over people who are lesser than or are perceived as lesser than than the white uh, male that Jack kind of represents. Mm. Um, I think there was something that we were talking about the when he says white man's burden. Right. It's this Rudyard Kipling saying or quote about how colonialism is actually a, a pain for the per- people who are enacting colonialism and not so much for the people that they're doing it to, <laughs> which is kind of such a ironic statement. But well, colonialism and capitalism. Yeah. And white the white man being Jack. Yeah. Jack is also an expression of capitalism. Right. Sure. In what way? Well, he has to work to yeah. feed his family. Yeah. That in itself is repressive. Any blue collar employee, at least during that time, only had to work. They were supposed to be content with having a wife, maybe a kid or two, and a dog and a white yeah. picket fence. And yeah. They're coming from an era of the nuclear family. Mm. That's true. So he's, you're saying like, he was kind of forced into that role then even like he has to be the provider. He has to be the head of the family. Yeah. I mean, but that, and the contrast between that is the native Americans lived off the land. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. But as we see, the hotel was built on top of that land. Yeah. Right. Where the land was used in a way where there's a synchronicity between the land and the people. Yeah. You lived off the land. You took care of the land. You tended the land. I've heard that even Native Americans, when they lived off the land, they could tell what was happening within the weather because they were so in tune with the weather. They knew what was happening within the seasons. Okay. With Jack, at least, you, it goes back to what you were saying. He's unaware of what's happening outside because it's all inside. It's all in his head. It's all in the hotel. Well, that's, I mean, even that thing about the weather you're saying is interesting because there is a scene in there where they're predicting the weather through you know, the television and watching the weather report. And so maybe that's another contrast of this example between being in touch with nature and with kind of what's actually going on as opposed to having to learn about this information through news sources and through artificial means. Right. So we have the Native Americans who live not in a hotel, but in the world, mm-hmm. a bigger kind of home, yeah. the worldly home. Yeah. And then we, we have the family, Jack, a nuclear family, typical family, right? Living in an artificial environment, which is a hotel room, mm-hmm. right? Um, the hotel, actually. Yeah, they're in an, the apart- an apartment inside of a hotel room. They're living in an apartment inside of a hotel room where everything's taken care of for yeah. them they yeah. don't have to hunt for their food mm-hmm. you know they they have the most they have to do is cook and reheat their food right everything is there for them but they don't have to do really anything but you see also how i think this is a theme for kubrick and his yeah. films right yeah. because we see how because of the kind of society that we live in structured in this way yes it is also oppressing for sure right with jack himself was a oppressed he can't talk he can't say anything if he does he's out of line yeah we see in clockwork orange with her with that character the main character in that one as well whenever he tried to become a social outcast because he was acting out he was then told you can't do that anymore yeah you can't behave like that we're gonna have to fix you yeah but then you realize when you get to the higher echelons of power yeah well we're all fucked up at the end of the day i mean i think you're hitting on something here and it i i do see that theme arising in these Kubrick films is it he seems to be under the theory that society specifically western culture is what is the problem it's there's a lot of problems in our civilization and that that is what is creating psychologically disordered people right and that the psychological disorder is then causing a lot of interpersonal issues among people. And this is a, I think that is what's going on in this movie is that 
they're exampling to us the way that people are cut off from the natural world and that everything is artificial and it's done in a very subtle way. It's disconnected. And that even Jack in his work is disconnected from why he needs to be a writer or what's essential about it. And that is what has caused him to go psychotic essentially. There's a disconnect between him and his wife, him and his son. Sure. Him and himself. Yeah. The only one really who, probably is more connected would be the boy in a sense with his own emotions yeah but because that was a survival mechanism for him he needed to survive his father yeah but he even starts to become robotic or artificial the more that he becomes abused and that the, the tony character is brought out of him after his first abuse by jack and then once he's abused at the hotel he almost becomes a robot at that point Would, and is completely separated from himself. Wouldn't be that more be that more evidence of the fact that Jack was actually harming him? Oh yeah. Because Tony came up because of the first yeah. moment of abuse, yeah. the first episode of abuse. Yeah. Tony came again and became took over Danny full force to protect Danny. Yeah. And and both and both There's no vagueness in Tony. Tony was not vague. It's yeah. You need, I think, black and white thinking oh, to survive, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, that's bad. This is yeah. good. Bad is yeah, bad. Exactly. Run away. And bo- and so the other thing you can think about in these instances of his abuse is that both times he are, his abuse is in response to him being a natural child and being doing what is normal or what is is exploratory so the first one is he's supposed to be playing on the floor with his toys and he may he messed up jack's papers Mm -hmm. and that's why he was hurt the second time is he's in the hotel and he's roaming around on his on his bike and he's doing what a kid should be doing which is exploring the world and like testing their boundaries and and seeing what's out there and both times he's hurt for it and he's given he's giving the information through these abuses that you doing what's natural and what's normal for you as a child is wrong uh-huh. and that you need to stop that and so it's 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 telling him to become a robot instead and that he he must be an automaton because being natural and being a child is not okay okay so that goes into this other thing that um, I've worked with patients who've been through trauma or abuse, mm. and they sometimes take on the characteristics of the abuser. Mm. They, in a way, feel like, okay, if that happened to me, what should I do? Mm. Do I become like this or do I understand yeah, this? Yeah. Right? And for him, he started to take on certain um, characteristics that the father already exhibits. The father is robotic. Yeah, he is. He functions in society. For sure. He's sort of like, okay, I'll pretend to smile yeah, at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, He's um, very fake and inauthentic. We see this in the corporate world. If Even our listeners can perceive this when they work with their bosses yeah. or other coworkers. Yeah. Stay away from the Managers. ones. Managers. Yeah, stay away from the ones that say, how are you? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fake smile, the over-elaboration yeah. on small talk. Yeah. Yeah, it's fake. But that, that's interesting, though, because that's, the, the kid... The kid who takes on that, they they replicate that. As a kid, you can't really, you can't really be fake yet. You can't be a, you can't do the fakeness like an adult does. So maybe being that robot is the way that a child takes that on in themselves. He's taking on that role of being that robot because that's yeah. what he thinks it's appropriate mm. around his father. Mm-hmm. Also. We should talk about what the room means in numbers, mm. two, two, three, seven, but also, yeah. Um, I f- when we were talking about it, I feel like, if anything, Danny probably caught Jack masturbating. Okay, why do you say that? I don't know, it's just a thought I had. <laughs> okay. But it's interesting, because why else would a boy be beaten that severely? Mm. But then what I think about would be, what causes a person to feel that much shame to cause mm. violence on another person? Mm. A sexual act, right? Maybe. I mean, I think it, it seems like he was irritated by the smallest things, like anything that was well, threw him off in any way. He was irritated by. 
Well, what all what I would also think is Jack goes into the same room and sees a woman naked. Yeah. This woman who's beautiful woman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Comes out of the bath and she's naked, then she turns out to be a moldy old crusty woman. Yeah. But if if a man perceives a woman to be nude, mm-hmm. right, that in itself is a turn on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we're not really shown him having sex with anyone. No. Or the theme of even masturbation. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. Something is there. I don't know what it is, but we're not given any more clues than that. Yeah. But there was something that happened in that room that it was enough for um, Danny to be beaten severely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say, oh, it's masturbation. And I, I might be wrong with my interpretation. Mm. But I, I can say that something, there was something there that Danny was not supposed to see. Yeah. That perhaps. caused him to get hurt. Yeah. But he ends up turning into that robotic type boy after that, right? Yeah. And to be a robot means I don't have emotions. Mm-hmm. I did not see anything. Shut down. I, I don't exist. This this thing is taking over. Right? Yeah. In his robotic voice, this is taking the over. The boy that lives inside of my mouth. Yeah. Okay, that that is crazy. Mm. The boy that lives inside of my mouth. Mm. What does that mean? I don't know. Because that's a strange way. It's not himself anymore, but, obviously. Okay, that's a strange way to say, yeah. hey, there's someone else taking over my body. I'm He's not- disassociating. But why would you say the boy inside my mouth? Somebody else has to, somebody else has to be in charge. Yeah, but I don't know. But for me, it goes into okay. There's some the boy inside my mouth is someone else speaking for me. Yeah, right. But he's not saying the other boy inside of me. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I I think that line goes back into maybe sexual again. Mm. In what way? Well, I don't want to say it, but for me, that line can go into that. Something sexual. The boy inside my mouth. Okay. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) But I I can tell you that it's not unheard of for children to have had sexual relations with other children. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Or men. Okay. What do you think about Wendy's character? And I don't know, we, we have a few more minutes, but we haven't talked about her too much. Do you think that she fits into any of these categories about being like unnatural or, or robotic in some way? I mean, she kind of is, right? She's, she's playing a part, even though she knows that her husband has been abusive in the past. She's kind of choose to forget a lot about that. Mm-hmm. What, I forgot the term, that term that she's an enabler. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like it. She enables the, she actually enables the boy's behavior as well. The roboticness mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, her husband's behavior. Yeah. She just allows things to happen until the end. When she saw that things were actually becoming violent, did yeah. she decide okay, I have to take control of the situation. My husband is an abuser. Mm. He's trying to kill us. Mm. Let's leave. Yeah. How much of a part do you think she has to play in everything that then uh, she kind of allowed things to get to that point? I mean, I think in in terms of her relationship, she plays a big part. Yeah. But we got to talk about maybe the kind of family, the era that that family Mm. was established. Mm. And in that era, the man was the... Yeah. You know, the leader of the household, the primary breadwinner, which it seems like he couldn't handle. Sure. It seemed like it was just too much for him, but he was a primary breadwinner. Yeah. So she was the supposed homemaker. Yeah. But for me, it doesn't seem like she could handle it either, being the way she's dressed, the way, you know, she smokes. She's more of a creative type. Maybe one of those that. She could have been. Yeah, but she doesn't seem like. That was the life that she wanted as well. Yeah. I don't think both were happy. I think no. both were unhappy. They didn't. She didn't get the chance to live how she wanted to either. It seemed like she, maybe she wanted to 
be going outdoors more and uh, like doing creative stuff. She even talks about dancing when they go into that gold room. Like she seemed like she was interested she said in it, right? Yeah, she told them, yeah. go, go outside and take me for a walk. Yeah. She's right? interested in, in like being active and like living life. And I don't think she got that opportunity to, which kind of sucks for her and the child. But she seems like, to me, she seems like she's willing to give this guy a chance. Yeah. Like, no, like, may this is our lives, but we yeah. can do things that keep me happy. Like, yeah. let's go out for a walk. At least. Let's go experience life together. Right. But he was so against that or pushing yeah. that away that he didn't want that anymore. Yeah. He was done. He was done, Nina. Joe. No, I think her heart was in the right place. I don't think, like... Yeah. No, I mean... For me, it was a tough film to watch, just what she was experiencing. Yeah, for sure. You know, the acting was great. For sure. But yeah, it was just tough to watch that. Yeah. The violence, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a good movie. I, um, mm-hmm. This was an interesting conversation. I don't know if we had as much of a unifying theory as in the past, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it was a good conversation. A lot of different interpretations. Yeah. Right? Well, let's uh, keep it going. We'll have another podcast coming next week. What are we going to do? Yeah, I was going to ask you what film you do. <laughs> do you want to do another Kubrick film or do you want to do something else? <laughs> I'm feeling like the themes are going to be the same. We've watched okay. three already. Okay. So uh, maybe we'll switch it up. But the, the one I was thinking we could do next week is The Fountain. What's that? That's another. That's a Darren Aronofsky film. The, the guy who did The Whale. It's kind of another abstract. There's a lot of stuff about alchemy, I think, in that movie. So that might be interesting to read up on. Um, how about we do that? Let's do the fountain. Okay. And then, so the schedule looks like oh, we're okay. going to do a fountain next week. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, on Friday, we're going to go see Barbie. And oh we're going to go God. see, and we're going to go see Oppenheimer on that, the same day. That's going to be crazy. That's we're going to watch epic film watching day so are we going to do just one podcast for both films and then i think we're going to do we're going to do a podcast on those two the the weeks of the 21st and the 28th we're going to do two separate podcasts i I feel like we should do one for both uh, you don't think so it's too much to ask (laughs) we'll see how we feel what a contrast yeah so the fountain we'll do the fountain next week and then we'll do barbie and oppenheimer in no particular order weeks after that so it'll be fun I'm looking forward to watching those movies um, having more conversations and yeah keep it rolling exactly it's a good conversation like always yeah appreciate it man uh, well this is Michael this is Damon this is Deconstructing the Psyche and we'll see you guys next week take care bye